This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. everybody welcome back to another edition of the 12 questions podcast my name is jeff gluck i write for the athletic and each week i ask the same 12 questions to a different race car driver up next is michael mcdowell who is very much in search of a season changing win yes he won the daytona 500 last year and had a great season but this year is actually his career best year so far he has nine top 10 finishes already heading into the Watkins Glen race where he could figure to be a contender again. He's obviously very good at super speedways. So these final two races of the regular season where he's trying to get a win could prove to be huge for him. We'll see what happens. He also has a career best average finish at this time. So figured it'd be a good time to have him on the podcast with all that going on. Here's our conversation. All right, everybody. I'm here with Michael McDowell for yet another 12 questions. I feel like we've been doing this forever now so thank you for giving another shot yeah yeah it's been it's been a little while right i don't remember when but um it's always fun i always enjoy reading and hearing what guys say especially now that it's a little bit more uh diverse with you know different forms of racing and different uh, aspects so it's been fun to uh to read everybody's answers awesome awesome well uh the first question for you is how do you feel about people reclining their seats on airplanes yeah, so I don't really care. Um, I don't typically do it just because I hate being that guy. You know, like, I don't want to be that guy, but I don't mind if somebody does. Um, it doesn't bother me. I don't get all, all bowed up. Um, I don't like it when my kids do it, though. <laughs> like, I feel like if you're young, you don't get that right to lean back on an adult. You're small, so you don't get to lean your seat back. <laughs> I love that. I love that. It's an important life lesson. Yeah. <laughs> um, how often do you get recognized at the grocery store? Um, uh, not that often. I would say one out of every five times you go, somebody will recognize you. Um, you know, here we're kind of in great city, right? So everybody sort of knows everybody, but um, it doesn't happen, you know, all the time. But uh, there, there's always some awkward interactions yeah. Did it go up once you won Daytona or has it been consistent throughout your career pretty much? Uh, it de definitely went up, I would say, but it's been consistent. You know, I'm not a, I'm not Chase Elliott, right? So I don't get bombarded, but I've also been around long enough that people recognize my face, but they don't know who I am. That's why it gets awkward. They're like, I know you. I'm like, <laughs> Oh really? That's cool. Well, I don't, I don't remember if I know you, but, um, no, I've seen you before. Okay. All right. Well, that's good. You know, and I'll just let it keep going. I won't stop them and tell them anything, you know, just because they're trying to figure it out. They can't tell if I was on a commercial or a movie or how they've seen my face before. So it's fun. Oh, that's great. That's great. Uh, on a scale of one to 10, how good are you at replying to text messages in a timely manner? Uh, if you ask me, I'm a 10. Uh, but if you ask my wife, she says I'm horrible at it. Uh, oh. I'm very good at reading them. 
um, but I don't always respond. And I think it's because there's sometimes there's not a response or like I don't have the answer. And instead of saying like, hey, let me get back to you or I'm not sure yet, I just leave it blank. Um, so I usually will get back to them when I have an answer. And you keep your read receipts on, I notice. Is that I right? I do. Yeah. Yeah. So they know that you've seen it, though. So that, that kind of heightens the risk. See, I didn't really know like that whole process. I must have done that unintentionally but my wife's like you realize everybody sees when you've read right and i'm like yeah well i thought that's the same for everybody she's like no you don't have to show them i'm like oh well, that's kind of fishy that's not nice yeah uh what is the best way to get out of a conversation with someone who won't stop talking oh that's tough i mean i don't know i'm usually fairly forward and i'll just be like hey that's awesome but i gotta go that works you know, I, um but I'll probably let it go a little longer than I have time for or should. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not afraid just to say, Hey, that's awesome, but I gotta go. Okay. I like that. I like that. A lot of people are sort of scared to just be like that, but yeah, I mean, it gets to the point. Um, if you could pick, Oh, this is perfect for you. Cause you know, I, I know you're not big on social media, but, um, if you could pick only one form of social media to use and drop all the rest, which would it be? Um, I, you know, I lean towards Twitter as far as what I use, like just to stay up to date on what's happening or, um, you know, catch your 12 questions or whatever it might be. But, um, you know, I've pretty limited on everything else. I mean, I've really, I don't even have anything else on my phone. So pretty much Twitter. Um, but I would like for it to all go away. I think I've told you that before. Yeah, <laughs> no, you've been consistent on that. That's, uh, in fact, I think you were ahead of the curve on, being down on social media. Now everybody's realizing, you know what? You were right. <laughs> so. It's got some negative effects for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what advice would you give someone who is having a hard time getting over a mistake they've made? Man, this sport or just in general, you know, you're always being examined, right? So it's easy to see when somebody makes a mistake, you know, I've just learned to just not let your highs be too high and your lows be too low. And, when you make those mistakes, you got to kind of move on and, and learn and move forward. But, um, man, there's just so many times that you get it wrong and you can beat yourself up for weeks, but you know, just, just moving on, moving forward quickly is the biggest thing and not taking yourself too seriously. You know, most of the time the mistake you said about it is your pride, right? It's it, especially if it didn't somebody else, you know, you just, it's the price, the ego. So, it's not taking yourself too seriously and moving on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this is a wild card question where I'm mixing it up for each person. And, uh, you were very optimistic about the next gen car in December in Nashville. And you said, I've always thought if I can make it to this next gen car, I'll have an opportunity. And here you are with career best, you know, nine top tens already easily your best average finish. So my question is, you know, as the car continues to evolve, do you see, you know, teams like yours being able to maintain this or are you worried that the big teams will eventually, you know, reassert themselves, become sort of more dominant again? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And that's an unknown. You know, right now I feel pretty good that we're able to hang on. I think Michigan for me was one of those um, races that I looked to just because it was further along in the season. Michigan usually exposes your weaknesses, you know, whether it be arrow down force, just engine all that stuff matters at michigan because it's so fast 
and we were really competitive. I mean, we had a top 10 car again, top 10 speed. So I feel like we've done a great job staying close to the thing so new that you're like, man, what are they going to stumble on that we haven't thought about? Or what are they working on that we haven't you know, been able to figure out? But so far, it's done a great job of keeping us close. I hope it'll stay like that. Um, yeah. And it, it does seem like the gains are smaller. Like when you do make gains, they seem to be smaller. So you should still be in striking distance, hopefully, um, even as they make gains. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, if someone blatantly wrecked you to win a race, would you interrupt their celebration? No, no, I wouldn't interrupt their celebration. I don't think, um, heat of the moment, maybe, maybe emotions take over, but, um, you know, you can't change what's already happened. Right. But I mean, you still got to handle it. You still got to have those conversations, but, um, in our sport, it's not like you're going to get penalized for crashing somebody for a win. Right. They don't take the wins away for you. So there's no sense of, uh, making yourself look silly and taking all that pressure, um, you know, uh, who thinks what, and just wait until you have a private conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what movie do you think you've seen the most times over the last year? The Lion King with my kids probably. Yeah. Yeah. Or the kids seem to, I haven't watched it a lot, but I heard it a lot. The, the Sandlot, my kids have been watching like throwback movies, like my childhood movies. And I haven't been able to watch it, but I listen to it because they're watching it in the back of the car on our road trip. So um, Sandlot's probably up there too. Man, that's cool. That's got to be a nice feeling to have your kids appreciate like movies from that era, yeah. you know? Yeah, it's yeah. fun. Yeah. Uh, what When you think about NASCAR five years from now, what are you the most optimistic about and what worries you the most? Optimistic about... Um, you know, our sport's growing well, TV's doing well, and new venues, I think, are awesome. And so I'm optimistic about all those things, schedule, all that. Um, what makes me nervous is just, you know, just how expensive the sport still is. And, you know, for smaller teams like Front Row, that's always a concern. It's always an issue of um, having enough sponsorship to keep the doors open. Um, so hopefully the, the model will change and get a little bit better over the next few years where, you know, the teams are a little bit more, uh, sustainable and, or we grow in sponsorship too. You know, there's, there's two sides of it. Yeah. So, um, a magic genie appears and offers you the chance to go back to the beginning of your racing career and start all over, but you get to retain all of the knowledge and experience that you have now. So do you accept the offer to go back or do you stay where you are in the present? Oh man, I would start over. I mean, I think that, you know, it's twofold. One is when you're thinking about career, like I could do it so much better knowing what I know now, no doubt about that. But as far as the life journey and growing and maturing and character and all those things, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't remove the struggles. The struggles are what shape and mold you. Um, so yeah, I, I would do it though. It'd be interesting to go back to that Michael Waltrip racing days uh, when you got just completely thrown into the fire with the experience you have now and see what could have been different. That, those yeah, kind of things, for you know? sure. For sure. Yeah. Uh, so each week I ask a driver to give me a question for the next person. And the last one was with uh, Marcus Erickson from IndyCar. And yeah. he said, um, what do you want to do after your career when you're done with driving? What is your goal to do then? And do you already have a plan for that? Or is that something you will come up with after you stop racing? Um, I don't have a plan. I don't have a plan or a backup plan. Um, but I've thought about it a lot because every year I'm sort of in this year to year of, 
you know, whether or not I'll have a job again the next season. So I've thought about it, um, but haven't really come up with a plan. And, you know, I love the sport. I love racing and I love to stay in racing. But if I wasn't racing, I would I would be in some form of ministry. Um, you know, it's kind of where my heart and passion is, is in my faith and, and helping people. And so I try to find an avenue for that. Um, I would love to uh, go race sports cars and do things like that and uh, finish up my career. But we'll see if those opportunities are available when uh, when I get to that point. Yeah, uh, those answers make total sense to me, knowing you. Um, so the, the next question or the next interview, I'm not sure who's with yet. So you can either give a general question for somebody in NASCAR or um, when I know who it is, I can uh, get back to you if you want to uh, tailor make it for them. Who is the driver you most look up to and why? Oh, I like that. I like that a lot. Okay, awesome. Well, man, thank you so much for taking the time to do this yet again. I, I really appreciate you uh, fitting me in here. Yeah, no problem. Thanks, man. All right, everybody, there you have it. Michael McDowell on the 12 Questions podcast. Always appreciate hearing that uh, some of the drivers enjoy uh, the questions and, and uh, like to read other people's answers and stuff. That always helps because then they know uh, ahead of time a little bit. Uh, maybe they've thought through it. So uh, that's that's obviously appreciated. And certainly you would think that uh, McDowell is going to make things exciting here, one of many, uh, as this playoff picture for NASCAR comes into its uh, final shape heading into Daytona. Anyway, of course, I appreciate you listening to this as always, and I will talk to you next time on the 12 Questions Podcast.